Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. I want to talk today, we're going to talk why the Father sent Jesus, kind of part two, but I've been really just kind of soaking on on this one, that we will never behave beyond our beliefs. We will never behave past our beliefs. And so today, I want to talk about our believing and, and a bit of a concept that I think is going to help us. Henry Ford once said, whether you believe you can or you cannot, you're right. And there's something about belief, isn't it? There's something about faith. There's something about me believing in the core of my being and what God might want to do. And just because you have faith for something doesn't mean the road is always easy, right? But there's definitely a difference. If I don't believe I can do something, I'm not even going to try, right? And so like, I know I can't play in the NBA, And by the end of high school, I was like, my NBA dreams are over. I know that, you know, like I'm not fast enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. And so because I believed that, I stopped. Isn't that interesting? My behavior responded to my belief. Now, my belief in that case was probably accurate. We have a a gentleman that comes to our church. He's almost seven feet tall. I don't see him today. Otherwise, I'd give him a shout out. But he played in the NFL. Yo, he looked like he could play in the NFL, okay? Like... It is, I'm 6'1", I'm over 200 pounds. It's hard to make me feel like a little kid. Like, I got a full-grown beard and four kids, and I'm like, you make me feel very insecure, sir. Like, I am a child. Thank you. I haven't felt like an eight-year-old in a while, but I do right now. And I do not ever want to get hit by you, so I agree, I don't want to play in the NFL. Like, like he is a big dude. But our behavior will only go so far as our believing. And today, I want to be your friend, and I want to help you understand some things, what God the Father has done in Christ. I want to help you see how we can believe correctly and respond correctly to, I think, some of the things that God the Father wants to do in your life and what this whole Christmas season is about. Because the season is about the Father sending the Son for you, right? Like the Father did something for us in this season because he's trying to reveal his heart, his nature, his will, like what he's trying to get done in our lives. And so I want to look this morning at Genesis 12 and then Galatians chapter 3. We're going to start in Genesis 12, okay? And this is the Lord coming to Abram. And so the Bible says that the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I love this, like right out of the gate here. God's like, Abram, I want you to get up. We're going to go somewhere. Awesome, God. Where are we going? Don't worry about that. I'll show you. What a picture of the Christian life. God, where are we going? Don't worry about that. I'll tell you later. Okay, like sometimes God will give you like the year plan, but sometimes he'll just give you the month plan. Sometimes he'll just give you the week plan. So much of the Christian life is just a weekly walk of faith that God is here for me and he's with me and he's going to show me. God, where are we going? Don't worry about that. I'll show you. God, what service should we open up? Don't worry about that. We'll show you. know, it's like, like, I don't know. Like, just so much of it is a weekly, monthly walk of faith. The good news is God started with Abraham this way, and he does this with all of us. He doesn't show us everything. 
right? He doesn't want my faith to be in knowledge. He wants my faith to be in him. And so he on purposes withholds things, so I keep my eyes on him. I don't like that. It's not fun. If I was God, I'd do it different, but I'm not. And so this is how it rolls. God's like, I want you to walk and live by faith. And so let's get going. Where are we going? I will show you. Don't worry about that. I will make you into a great nation, verse 2, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse whoever curses you. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you, speaking of Jesus Christ and his coming, okay? Galatians chapter 3 now. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Speaking of Jesus on the cross now, right? He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Why did the Father send Jesus? One of the main reasons is so that the blessing that God gave Abraham would come on your life. If you are a Christian today, the blessing of Abraham is on your life, and you need to know that, right? There's been a lot of conversation in the last 10, 20 years, I'd say, about generational curses. And listen, I can definitely understand how broken emotional patterns can get into a family and go, you know, from person to person. I can understand how bad mentalities can get into a family and it just kind of keeps on going and keeps on going and keeps on going, right? Like I can understand that. I can even understand how the same demonic spirit would pick on the same family maybe over and over and over and over again. I can understand that. But today, if you are in Christ Jesus... You are not under a generational curse. You are under a generational blessing. Your older brother, Jesus, went to the cross for you to win a blessing for your life. And you are not under a family curse. You are under a new family blessing. Come on, let me help some of you. I very purpose in my heart, maybe 10 years ago, I was like, I am not going to be a devil-conscious Christian. I am going to be a Christ-conscious Christian. I don't want to always know what the devil's doing. I want to know what the Holy Spirit is doing. I want to know what he wants to do in my life. I want to know what God is up to. One of my favorite quotes is Zig Ziglar. He said, every morning I read the news and my Bible because I want to know what both sides are up to. I love that. But it's like, I don't want to just know about the enemy. I want to know what God wants to do. Why? Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We give way too much weight to he that is in the world and not enough faith and weight to he who is inside of us, the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ today, you are not under a curse. You are under a blessing. It is an eternal blessing. This blessing will be on you. It will follow you. It will be there in heaven with you. It will never leave you. I love that. When God makes a decision to do something, it is very hard to twist his arm, isn't it? God is like, my kids, I'm going to put a blessing on their life. So 2,000-some years ago, God comes. He's like, I'm going to bless this man Abraham. And God altered everything about Abraham's life. Here's what I want you to see, right? Like God gets involved in this man's life, and God does not leave him alone now. 
He alters his household, his career. He enables him to have a miracle child, alters his marriage. It alters his faith. It alters his courage, right? It alters Abraham on an emotional and mental level. God doesn't leave anything untouched over the course of their time together in their relationship. Relationships, they alter us, don't they? They reprioritize us. They reorganize us, right? They redirect us. When I graduated from college, I was going to move to Los Angeles. I grew up in northern Indiana, so I'd had 20-some years of winter. Your boy was done. I was ready for palm trees, ocean. I surf a little bit. I'm not that good, but I'm a decent scuba diver. You know, I'm getting into spearfishing lately, and it is super fun. And I, I was like, I've had enough of cornfields. I've had enough of, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy, snow, scraping ice off the windshield. You guys have no idea what people go through in the north. Every January, can I get an amen? That's what I'm saying. Like every January I'd walk out, it's negative five. My windshield is totally frosted over. You have to run into the car, freezing, turn it on and just let it run. You turn the heater on and then you run back inside. And you warm up and you're trying to get the ice off your windshield and you got to pour water on your windshield. If you don't do it right, you can crack your windshield and you got to get out there with the scraper and just scrape it off. And guess what? You do this every day. Every day. In Jesus' name, I'm not planning my next church in Canada, okay? Like I, like we, I am going to die in the sands of South Florida. Spread my ashes across the Atlantic Ocean. I hope I get to stay, right? So it's like, that's right. I want, to be, I want to be where it's warm. But I've got these plans. I'm leaving the cornfields of Indiana. I'm going to Los Angeles. I had a ministry that I was going to serve there. It was already worked out. And then I met my wife, Alyssa. And I fell in love way too fast. I didn't ask the important questions. I just fell in love. That's what you do when you're 20. You don't ask like, how many kids you want and where do you want to live. You're just like, you're hot. Let's get married. Like, that's what you do when you're 20. And I was 20. Like, I didn't even talk about any of the details. I was just like, I like you. Let's get married, right? Like 18 years and four kids later, something worked, okay? But she's like, I don't want to move to Los Angeles. I want to finish my degree in Oklahoma. No one grows up and says, I want to move to Oklahoma. You forgot Oklahoma existed. When was the last time you thought about Oklahoma? You're like, is that in the United States? I don't know. Like, no one says, I'm going to move to the prairies of Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahomans are funny. They're kind of like Texans. Any Texans in the house? A couple. Yeah. So like, Texans are hilarious. Like, I love Texas. Like, I, I love that about you guys. Like, I really do. Like, I'm not drinking the same Kool-Aid, but I'm, I'm proud of you. Like, because like, like, I'm from Indiana. No one from Indiana is like, I'm from Indiana. Like, no one says that. Like, we're not, you know, Oklahomans, like, they're, they're proud of Oklahoma. Like, That's great. But no one else grows up. And wants to move to Oklahoma. Like, it is affordable. If I took the same amount of money that I took to buy this house in South Florida and I took it to Tulsa, Oklahoma, yo, your boy be living good. But I'm in South Florida, not, not Oklahoma. Have you seen house prices? Have you looked at house prices here lately? We got to call on God. <laughs> I would move into a sailboat if I could. If I could convince my wife to live on a sailboat, I would do it. I would do it, my brother. I would do it. That's what you guys pretty much do. I know. You guys are living my dream life. These guys serve on a yacht 
and, and, and they, they don't own the yacht. That would be nice, though, right? Like, that's coming, right? Be, like, yeah, but they serve on the yacht, and they're doing, like, this Caribbean thing next, right? You're going to be, what, in the Caribbean for the next three, four months, right? Like, how, that's, that's my job. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing that. That is, that is amazing. And so what happens to me, the relationship redirects my life, right? I've learned marriage is all about compromise, so guess what? We moved to Oklahoma, you know? So, I'm, like, I'm in Oklahoma, and I got stuck in Oklahoma for seven years. But then God delivered me. And God was like, no, you're not going to L.A. You're going to South Florida. I'm like, okay, that's all right. Here we are. Now, here, here we are. Relationships reorganize us. They redirect us. They alter us, okay? God has stuff. Yes, he has stuff. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God has stuff. But the greatest thing that God will ever bring to the table for us is himself. It's himself. He has stuff he can give you. Yes, that's true. He can alter your life. Yes, that's true. But God brought himself into the table of relationship with Abraham. What really altered Abraham? It was God. This is the great blessing of Abraham. God has invited us into relationship. And he'll talk to you about everything. Yeah, he'll change your career. Yeah, he'll change your marriage. Yeah, he'll change your mind. He'll change your emotions. You know, if you don't like how you're feeling, you've got to stop and think about what you're thinking about. Because emotions follow thoughts. Your mind is God's gift to you, right? Never hand the keys of your joy into somebody else's pocket. Come on. This is your gift. The Bible even tells you what to think about how to garden your mind. If you don't like your mind, it's time to start gardening, right? It's time to pull some weeds and plant the right things. The Bible says whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is of just awesome report, think about these things. How often do we rent our minds out to all these bad things and then we wonder why we don't feel good? And then we have a fourth latte right before bed and we're like, why am I so anxious all the time? Okay, you should probably stop watching the murder podcast and five lattes, and that would help you a little bit with your anxiety, okay? Like, what are you thinking about? This is your garden, God's gift to you. That mind is, is yours. You know, rent it out to good renters, not bad ones, okay? And so God brings himself into the relationship, and it changes everything about Abraham. And God will change everything about your life. But the greatest thing that he could ever give you is his himself, is his presence, is, is to talk to you, it's to be with you, it's to, to alter you, to, to change you, right? So we talked last week about how the reason the Father sent Jesus is because we're all in this trouble, we're all in sin, right? We're in this pit we cannot climb out of, we're all in trouble, everyone's committed sin, no one can get out of themselves, not even Batman, and so our hero comes into our pit, he loves us, he ministers to us, he heals us, he grabs our arm, and he walks us out of the pit, right? Okay, so the Bible says in Galatians that, that God sends the law. Before God sends Jesus, God sends the law. And the law was our guide It was our caregiver. The law was to show us what's right and what's wrong before the fullness of time of Christ to come. The law was never God's full promise. That was Jesus. But the law is guiding us. It's taking care of us. It's directing us for the fullness of time to come. So the law can tell me what's right and wrong, but what the law cannot do is transform my heart. The law can't make me want to do right. I can tell my six-year-old what's right and wrong, but I don't have the power to change his heart, 
to help him want to do the right thing. So the Bible, the law can say, do not murder, right? Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't gossip. But you're like, man, that tea is just so good, though. I just can't help myself. Look, like, It'll tell you what's right and wrong, but it doesn't have the power to transform your heart, right? The Greek word that Paul uses in Galatians, I love this word, it's paidagogos. It's a fun word to say three times fast. And it has a specific like meaning. And this word paidagogos specifically talked about a trusted servant in a wealthy person's household and their entire job, they only had one job, that was to take care of the child that would inherit everything. And so they made sure they were safe. They made sure they were well-fed. They were the caretaker of the whole house until the one that was going to inherit everything was ready to take on the responsibility. So they're overseeing their education, their care, all these things. And then when it came time for them to be full-grown, then the promise of the inheritance came and the Pythagoras was no longer needed. This is the law for us. This is why God gave the law. He's like, I'm going to show them right and wrong right? But the fullness of promise is Christmas, is Jesus Christ. This is what's actually coming into our lives. But the problem is when we know right and wrong, we're accountable now, right? We're accountable. My two-year-old got in trouble the other day and my nine-year-old was like, why didn't you get them in trouble? I said, well, they don't know what they're doing yet, but you know what you're doing. So when God reveals the law, it was good, but it was, ooh, it was bad because now we're accountable. Now I know God said, don't murder my neighbor. Right? I'm accountable to what I know. There's a caregiver telling me right and wrong. It doesn't change for my heart, but it, but it shows me some things, right? And the Bible says when you break the law, which we've all done, there's a curse to that. So what does God do? God sends the Son to become a curse for me. He forgives my sin but he bears our punishment. He takes the sting of the curse on him so that God could release a blessing in Christ over my life. It's not that we don't just not get in trouble. I get a blessing I could never earn or work for. I gain access to a God who loves me, who wants a relationship with me, who wants to help me. If you're a believer today, you're not hopeless. You're not helpless. You're not lost. You're not unknown. You're not forgotten. God knows the hairs on your head. He knows the hairs on your stash, right? He's got, he like knows it all. Like he loves you. He's looking at you and he has blessed your life. He's blessed your life. You are not under a curse today. You may not feel good, but you're not cursed. You are blessed if you're a Christian today. Let that sink in for a second because you will never behave past your belief. If you don't believe you can ever try to do anything good in this life, you'll never try. It's like me in the NFL. But if you believe God is with you and he's for you and he loves you and he can talk to you and he can redirect you and he can speak to you and he's blessed you and he just cares about your life, that's going to change your behavior. Am I helping some of you today? Okay, I want to I help you. I'm your friend. I really am. Like I got all dressed up just to tell you this. Like God is with you. He's with you. And he brought himself to the table. I had a professor in college, Dr. Williams, brilliant man, uh, doctorate, theology, but he was also an archaeologist. And he loved to do these archaeological digs and talk about how they, like, you know, fit in the Bible. Just absolutely brilliant guy. 
But back in the day, and I went to Indiana Wesleyan University. I'm not a Wesleyan, but it's a great school and very kind people. And so I get saved. I know God's called me to ministry, and I'm just going to school, trying to figure this thing out. And he was telling a story that at the beginning of the university, they had all these professors, brilliant people. They're working hard so the next generation can understand God at a deeper level. Uh, but the school ran out of money. And so the administration is like, hey, you know, we want to keep going with the mission, but we're out of money. Would you guys mind working the rest of the year without pay? And all these professors did it. Can you imagine? They did it because they wanted a new generation to know God. Guys, we have no idea how many believers throughout the ages have sacrificed so we could be here. You have no idea who's prayed, served, loved, and gived so you and I could be right here today. Honestly, like that's, that is humbling. It really is humbling. Like so many people in the last 2,000 years have sacrificed so we could hear about God. Honestly, we are here today because a disciple sacrificed and made a disciple who made a disciple who made a disciple who made a disciple who made a disciple. So we're standing on the backs of giants. We really are. And so they agreed to do that. So he's like, God, I feel like you've called me to be a professor. They can't pay me right now. What do I do? That's a good question, right? Like, what do I do? I'm in trouble. I feel called. I feel like I'm supposed to do it. What do I do? And so he says, God just feels like he starts giving me some ideas. And so what he does, he takes the little amount of savings he has and he buys a little property. He's going to fix it up. He's going to rent it out to students. Cheaper than living on dorm, but enough for him to start making income. And then he gets a little more success, and he buys another one, and he buys another one. This is before Airbnb was invented, okay? Like, he basically, like, invented Airbnb in our area before it was a thing, right? He just has this little idea. And he said, I decided to make God a 51% owner of my business. I decided that God was the majority shareholder of my life. And if he wanted me to be a professor, I would do it. I'm going to be obedient, right? But then he knows that I, of course, need money and my family needs money. And so I was willing to let God make the decisions. And I just did what I felt like God told me to do. And he said, but I kept him as 51% owner. You know, and then toward the end of his life, God had blessed his side hustle so much that he didn't even have to take any money from the university at all. He took $1 every single year to teach. Isn't that beautiful? And uh, he's in heaven now. He's, he's not with us any longer, but I'm, I will always be impacted by that. And he said to us students, he goes, guys, I don't know what you're going to go through in life. He said, but I do know this. Make God the majority shareholder of your life. So, pastor, it's going to be 2024 soon. You know, I'm not married yet. That's okay. You're cute, and the blessing of Abraham is on your life. <laughs> Pastor, it's going to be 2024. How are we going to pay these bills? I don't know, but make God the majority shareholder of your life, and he's with you, and he's not done with you yet, and he knows what it takes to get to where he's called you to go. Pastor, it's going to be 2024. You know, I'm 30. I still can't get my life together. That's okay. The blessing of Abraham is on. You see where I'm going with this, guys? Come on. The blessing of Abraham is on your life. You're not lost. You're found. He's with you. He knows where you're supposed to go. He can talk to you at any given time, right? Doesn't have to, but he can. He can help you. He's looking. He's, he's with you. Make God majority shareholder of your life. I love what you're saying. I surrender. I'll do it your way. I think that's the theme for today. If today had a theme, like from the Spirit, it's that. God, I'm going to make room for you. You're the majority in my life. I will do this thing your way. God will not invade your life. You have to invite him in, but when you invite him in, he'll do what he wants to do. 
He can alter everything. He won't kick the door down. But if you let him in and surrender, he'll take it. What happens is we surrender that we don't like what God is doing, and so we try to take control again. Right? God doesn't need your ability. He needs your surrender. Right? He doesn't need your power. He needs your permission. He's waiting on you to surrender so he can do what he wants to do. And he's got stuff, but he brings himself. The Bible says in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now God shows me right and wrong, but then he changes my heart so that I want to do things God's way. This is why some of you that are new Christians, you can't sin the way you used to sin. You don't have as much fun at the club as you used to have, right? This is what's happening to us. You get saved and then you're like, wait a minute, sin doesn't feel the same way. Why not? Because you have a new heart. You have a new spirit inside of you. Now you want to do it God's way. You're like, man, that used to feel good, but now it doesn't. Why do I feel this way? Because of the Holy Spirit. Something's changing. He's working. He's doing something new. And he doesn't just tell you right and wrong. He actually alters the inside. So I want to do right. Every parent wants that ability. We don't get it. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But if you hang around God, he will alter your heart. He'll alter everything. He'll alter it. He'll change it. And where you're like, God, the thing I used to love to do, I can't do. Now I love to live for you. You're altering my heart. How is that possible? So many of us, we're at the start of life. We're closer to the start of our career, the start of our marriage, the start of our relationships than we are toward the end. And that's okay. But don't be discouraged if the start isn't what you want. Don't be discouraged if the start is hard. When we planted this church, every single week, I wanted to quit. I'm not kidding. I would go home on Sunday. I would take a shower. I'd work out. I'd pound the wall a little bit. And I would say, I want to quit. This is not what I want. This is way too hard. It's too dysfunctional. I don't like it. This is how I would talk to God. You know what God would tell me? Keep going. God probably, in my heart, told me 60 times that first year to keep going. Where are we going? Don't worry, I'll show you. Year number two was COVID. It wasn't any better. Why did you call me to plant a church now when you knew this was coming? This is not fun. It's not fair. I don't even like you right now. Come on, don't be too holy on me. Some of you have served God long enough to know you don't even like him right now. Like, I know I'm supposed to worship you, but I don't even like you right now. Like, what are you doing in my life? Like, come on, don't be too holy on me right now. Okay, I want to quit, God. I want out. Year number three, I wanted to quit about once a month. That's better than once a week. But I still didn't like it. It's too hard. It's too dysfunctional. Nobody listens. You know, like what was going on? I don't like it. Okay, this last year, I haven't wanted to quit once. That's progress. That's, that's, I feel happier. Okay, like, yay. So it's just like, now we got to do a third service, and I got to come back at night. It's great. So <laughs> the start isn't the end. Here's what I know about God. The start is about your heart. The start isn't about the result. The start is about your heart. The start of your marriage is not the end of your marriage. It's the Start. It's about your heart. The start of what God has called you to is about your heart. Abraham, let's go. Where are we going? Don't worry. I'll show you. It's about your heart. Will you stay? 
I feel like this is for somebody. The start is your heart. It's not result. It's start. I'm not seeing what I want to see. It's okay. It's your start. And it's about your heart. Will you stay with the thing God is asking you to do? The start is about heart. It's not about result yet. It's about heart. I think in 20 years, our church will be something phenomenally beautiful. I probably will never want to quit at that point, right? Maybe I'll love it so much, you have to make me retire, okay, at some point. Like, but whatever we turn into in 20 years, it's never going to be as hard as the start. The start's hard, and that's okay, because the start's about your heart. Will you stay? Now I'm grateful I didn't quit. Back then, I wanted to quit every week. So I just wonder, what do you think is so hard you want to quit on that God just might be doing in your life? Pastor, health is hard. It is hard. Pastor, following God is hard. It is hard. The start's about your heart. Pastor, this marriage is hard. I, I, I thought they were just cute and we could have a lot of sex, but now i got to serve them. Now i got to love them. Now i got to meet their needs. Now they do things I don't like. They didn't do this when we were dating. That's on purpose. They hid it from me. They hid all the dysfunction, Pastor. They didn't let me meet their family. You know, it's like, now i got to deal with this. The start is hard. It's about your heart. I love this quote. They, they say, date with two eyes wide open, and when you get married, close an eye. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. If you don't like it when you're dating, that's it. Don't get married because it, it's, listen. Having dinner, watching movies, there's no pressure in that. Having kids and bills, that is pressure. And what, whatever, whatever is there, when it gets squeezed, then it really comes out. You're not going to figure that out over movies. Listen, we're hilarious in our culture. We just want to go to the movies, make out, go out to dinner and all this stuff. That is not pressure. You need to unplug the Wi-Fi on them and see how they react. That's what you need to do. You need to see. Listen, if you're dating today, date for four seasons. You can hide anything for 90 days. Date for four seasons. I know we really don't have four seasons here, but, you know, just go with it. Date them for a year. Watch them when they go through something. Pastor, don't you, don't you ever face fear? I'm going to close, guys. I know I'm, I'm almost done. Pastor, don't you ever face fear? Of course I do. I had so many fears when I first got saved. You know, I know it's easy to preach this. It's cute. It's, it's a lot harder to live this. Don't you have fear? Of course I do. Of course I do. But I don't face fear alone. I've learned that in 20 years. I don't, I don't face fear alone. He's with me. Pastor, don't you have insecurities? Don't you find insecurities? Of course I do. When I first got saved, I had so many insecurities. So many insecurities. And you know the quick cover-up to insecurity? Pride. Get a little edge about you. Just angry for no reason. Just pride. Just a chip on your shoulders. I had it. I thought I had to be tough and just whatever. You know? Insecurity. You know, I, I have insecurities, but I don't have as many as I did 20 years ago. I don't have as much pride as I did 20 years ago. I, I don't have as much fear as I did 20 years ago. Why? God is working on me. He's altering me. He's changing me. He's, he's with me, right? So I can stand here and talk about some of this stuff because like, I've lived this again and again and again. Did you always know you were going to make it? No. No. Year one, I had no idea I was going to make it. It looked like I was going to fail every single week. There were some weeks, I'm gonna, about the church, like, I was like, I have literally have no idea how to pay these bills. Like, no idea. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Service number one, we opened the church. Are you ready for this? The offerings were $12,000. Service number one, 250 people, $12,000 offering in service number one. I was like, we are going to do this. We got this. This is possible. Service number two, 
45, 50 people, $68 in the offering. We going down, Jesus. We ain't going to pay no bills with this. We're in trouble. I've failed. Week three was a hard week, man. God has been faithful. It's not always going to look like you're going to make it, but he's not going to leave you alone. He's faithful. I, don't know who, I really don't know who this is for today, but I cannot say this up. He is a faithful God. Is it always easy? No. It's not always easy, but he is with you. He's for you. You are not under a curse no matter what you feel like today. You are under a blessing, and your heavenly Father loves you. He's dealt with your sins. He's dealt with your mistakes. He's dealt with your past. And he has put a blessing on your life. And he won't leave you alone. He loves you too much to leave you alone. He loves you too much to leave you alone. He loves you too much. He loves you too much. He loves you too much. He will not leave you alone. He'll alter it all. Jeremiah 17, let me just read this over you. I love this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water, that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I love this church. I bless them. Father, today, they may not have even known this coming in today, but if they know you, the blessing of Abraham is on their life. And Lord, more than stuff, you bring yourself to the table. And Lord, you alter everything about us. Thank you, Father, for being wildly faithful to us. Thank you, Lord. We're like a tree planted by these rivers of water. And God, we can flourish even though it's difficult. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, CityLift.com. Dot church. Have an amazing night.